Amen. We have just sung to each other a summary of the good news. Jesus gave us the gospel that God is love and that Jesus' blood washes away our sin. Now, I know you don't have all the words in front of you anymore, but this is how the song keeps going. Furthermore, Jesus' Holy Spirit illuminates our lives and God helps us hear and gives us hope for the hereafter. So that was all in that first song. What a great start. Let's pray together using the words on the screen. God, in this season of Lenten fasting, we set our eyes toward you. We, we turn, turn our hearts in your direction. We acknowledge our great need for you and our great hunger. Give, Give us, us food, food from, from your, your hand, hand, O God. God. We confess that we often seek to fill a void inside us with frivolous things, spiritual junk food. Nourish, Nourish our, our souls, souls, O God. God. We set aside the expectation that our hunger might be satisfied by anything but your spirit. Nourish, Nourish our, our souls, souls, O God. God. We rely upon your promise of provision. They, they that, that hunger, hunger for righteousness, righteousness will be filled. Where we are empty, fill us up, O God. O God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Those who come to me will not hunger. We, we come, come to you, Jesus. Jesus. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen. Amen. Please stand to sing, Praise, I will praise you, Lord.
before we sing this next song, which is number 387 in your hymn book, I want to do two things. First, point out a couple of words that are maybe a little unusual. And then uh, one other thing. So <laughs> when we get to verse 3, you will find this phrase, Make me a temple, meet for thy dwelling, which is a little old-fashioned, but it's a way of saying a temple fit or fitting for your dwelling, appropriate. And then in the very next line, they use fit again, fit me for life and heaven above. But in this case, fit means prepare me for life. <laughs> so it's just a little bit of fun with fit and fitting in verse 3. So we've already confessed some things in our call to worship, responsive prayer, but this song is also a prayer that says what we are not and what we want to be. So it is a confession prayer as well. Number 387. seated for our song of assurance.
want to turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 25 till 30. I'll be reading out of the international version, the new international version. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All the children who are ready for children's church can head on to the back and follow Charlene that away. And let's pray for them as they go. Jesus, thank you that you love little children and have revealed things to them, revealed your will. And thank you that they can know your will and obey it even at the age they are. Thank you that that is true for all of us. Whatever our age, whatever our mental capacity, you can show us your will and we can do it. So bless their time together this morning. Bless their teacher. In your name, amen. A few announcements from your bulletin before we go to prayer. First of all, for this week, we have prayer meeting at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. And partway through that, it's going to be youth games night. So you might wonder, how does that go when they're both happening in the same place? It goes very well. Those at the prayer meeting are happy for the sound of youth in our building. At the same time, we want to hear each other praying, so we're going to be meeting in the curtained-off Sunday school room this week. So if you come for prayer meeting and don't see us right away in the main area, it's because we're in the curtained-off area. And then, looking ahead a little further, March 29th is a willing helpers meeting at the church at 7.30. So that is for all ladies, and this will include the prayer sister exchange, so... Put that on your calendar. And finally, this applies to only a few of you here, but hopefully you know who you are. Annual yearbook reports to carry ASAP. Thank you. Okay, let's pray together. God, we come to you this morning acknowledging your faithfulness. You are the one who promised to bring springtime and harvest. So today, as the, the world turns and we get 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of nighttime, we recognize again that you have set things up in a beautiful and orderly way. We thank you for the warmth and the melting, and we trust that all will flow where it's supposed to go. We also trust in your provision for our needs and for the needs of those we love. We pray for Bilal and Fatima and their children that you will bring them safely here in a timely way. We also thank you that things went well for Lyndon and pray that he will continue to recover well. We pray for Michelle and that you will intervene there and do a clear miracle on her behalf which will encourage us and, and her family so much. And may you get the glory for it. And we pray for Russell and Shannon as they continue to adjust in their family life. Thank you that you are providing for them too. We know that you're doing that for your people all over the world. We think of those in the Ukraine and Russia, everywhere where there's suffering, conflict, hunger. We know that you send the rain and the sun, on the righteous and the unrighteous alike, because you are faithful. But we do pray especially for your people, that you would help them to stay faithful in their witness and in their service. 
And we pray that too for ourselves in our community, that our witness and our service would be faithful and strong. Thank you for the encouragement that we have received in the last number of Sundays from hearing your word preached and from the testimonies of your work in our world. And we pray your blessing on Wayne as he comes to speak about your work that he is aware of and part of. So bless him as he comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, Wayne will introduce himself further. Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Wayne, and I live in McGregor. Um, you know, I kind of forgot about the, the mission part of this. Um, so I'm going to be speaking much more than I'll be reporting. Uh, but I will give you a quick report. So uh, I've been with Youth for Christ for, um, it's getting on 24 years now. And um, I remember, I was thinking about that this morning a little bit. And I just remember being in church as a teenager and hearing a guy like me come up and I've been with UGM or whatever for 20 some years. And I always thought, how is that possible? Um, and I still think that, uh, how is that possible? But it's been good. And in July of last year, I made a switch. I've been with Brandon Youth for Christ. And uh, I made a switch to um, being with what's called an um, Youth for Christ national team or YFC Canada. Um, so YFC is a, uh, well, it's an international. Um, we're actually in way more countries than we're not. Um, and we're in every province in, in Canada. Now, oh, no, that's not true. We're almost in every province. We're, we haven't uh, cracked Newfoundland yet. Um, but they've really pushed into um, the East Coast over the last uh, five years, which is pretty exciting. Um, and so as a national organization, uh, they have a, a team that takes care of a lot of national uh, things. And so my role is twofold. One is that um, the what's called a central region, which is Manitoba and Saskatchewan, training director or coordinator, I guess. And that means that YFC has their own um, training program that they put uh, their staff through. Uh, it's called Foundations. And so I take care of the, any staff that are working through that. So I supervise them. Um, I answer any questions. I help them along. Uh, I do some teaching when we have uh, uh, training events. Um, and that's been, that's been really, really great. And the other part um, of what I do is called staff care specialist. And so that just means that um, I'm basically take, trying to do my best to take care of staff across Canada. And the way I do that is I offer uh, individual therapy sessions. I'm a therapist. Um, and as well as uh, I get to, um, this is the part of my job where I, at times I feel very guilty because it's such a great part of my job. Uh, it doesn't feel like work sometimes. Um, YFC has a retreat center on Vancouver Island, um, right close to a, a community, actually in a community called Honeymoon Bay. Um, so whenever people, or whenever people first heard talk, talking about uh, going off to Honeymoon Bay Retreat Center, they always, it was always a, the idea that it must be a marriage retreat thing only. Uh, that's just the community, that's all. Uh, it's a really small community in, in, on Vancouver Island, about 45 minutes southwest of Nanaimo. Um, beautiful part of the country. And so I go out there three, four times a year, and I'm either leading re couples retreats, or I am um, also uh, helping with, um, what they call them guided retreats, which, which are individual retreats. Honeymoon Bay is a phenomenal place, um, and it's been a huge asset to YFC. Uh, they just, um, I think about five years-ish, they've been um, operating it. Um, and, and basically, it's, it was a retreat center, and then the, uh, the funders for the retreat center said that they needed to do something else with their money. And so the, they approached YFC Canada and said, do you want this? Um, and so they took it over, and it's been a fabulous uh, addition to staff care. Um, so that's, that's what my role is, and it's been really, like, when people ask me, <clears throat> you know, how's the transition been? How's, how's my, what's my role like? And I honestly say that I don't know if there's anything that would be, I, I, could, like, I could create a role that would have been better for me. Um, I wasn't trying to get out of YFC Westman and U-Turn. Um, U-Turn was the, the homeless uh, or transitional housing uh, program that I worked with for 12 years. I wasn't trying to get out of that. Um, this opportunity just kind of came along, and um, that's a long story. Um, of uh, discernment and, and how spiritual direction played a big role in my life there. 
Um, but it's been a great, great transition, and I've really, really enjoyed um, what's been happening with YFC Canada. So, if you have more, you know, questions in particular, it's kind of tricky because, in some ways, like, because what I do, the staff care specialist part, staff care part that I do, it's very confidential work, right? So, um, and the, the training aspect, uh, I mean, it's all working with staff, both my roles. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't have the story, same stories I had when I worked with U-Turn, right? Um, you should not be hearing any stories from me in terms of staff. <laughs> that would be bad on my part. Um, although the, the training aspect sometimes, I'll, you know, I, I'm able to, the, what's really fun for me is that in the training aspect is I get to see staff do what they love and, and the creative and innovative ways that they uh, are bringing the gospel to, to um, people across, across Canada, specifically Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Um, and, and really, like, it's been, that's, that's what I love about what I do, is that I love YFC staff. I mean, I know all organizations have great people, and I'm just really biased that Youth for Christ has really exceptional people who are incredibly committed and dedicated to what they do. So, um, yeah, I feel very, very, very fortunate to be able to do the roles. This morning, what I want to do is... Um, oh, there's a clock right here. It's perfect. Um, I was a little concerned with that. So what I want to do is uh, I want to talk to you about, um, I mean, the thing is with, oh, there we go. That's better? Okay. Yep. Perfect. Thank you, Dave. Um, so public speaking is always fraught with pitfalls. Uh, and one of which is overvaluing what you bring. Um, so statistically what they say is about 50% of you will be able to tell me what I spoke about in one hour. Only 50% of you. Tomorrow morning if I asked you as a group what did I speak on, 25% of you would be able to say, give me an accurate answer. And in a week's time, only 10% of you will be able to tell me. That's just, and that's nothing that you're doing wrong. It's just part of how our brains take in information. And this is actually a really ineffective, ineffective way to transfer information, unfortunately. Um, it's what we do, but it's really incredibly ineffective. And so, so in that mind, all right, I want to tell you what, if you, if you forget every, and you will forget everything. <laughs> that's the fun thing. You're going to forget everything I say. So, in my attempt to get one thing that you can maybe stick on a little bit, um, what I want to let you know is that God is our answer. God doesn't provide all, of our, all the answers. He doesn't give us all the answers, but he is the answer. And what I mean by that is that God provides a place of rest for us. And by doing that, he provides so much, way more than what we actually understand. So God's your answer. He provides a place of rest. He doesn't give us all the answers. And now I'm going to spend 20 minutes rambling on about that. But as long as you remember that, you'll, you'll, you'll pass the test. Um, so a guy named, by the name of Dr. Gordon Neufeld is a developmental psychologist out of Vancouver. And he's been very, very influential in my personal life, in my uh, professional development life. And so much so that in Westman YFC, they would refer to uh, uh, Gordon Neufeld as, my, as uh, Wayne's boyfriend um, because I brought him up so much and there was always this admiration for him. Um, and what he, he, he focuses a lot on <clears throat> parent-child uh, relationships and, but all of his stuff that he talks about, which is all about maturation, it's all about, about development, it's, it's a cradle to the grave thing. Um, we see it really, you know, precisely and more explicitly in kids, but really the, what he talks about in, in our development is it, it goes to our, our life stage, right? And so um, a lot of the things that he talks about are so transferable. Um, and, and one of the things I want to talk about is we we're going to talk about rest this morning. Um, and so I, I'm not an exegetical speaker, and you'll figure you probably figured it out already. But so the text that we use, um, I'll read it again from Matthew chapter 11. 
Um, so this is just kind of going to be the foundation that everything is going to be loosely structured on, right? We're not going to dive deep in the text. This is just kind of what we're kind of working from. Uh, Matthew 11, <clears throat> verses 27 to 30 say, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. And those to the Son choose to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what's, what works best for me? To just, I'll just talk and you can figure out where we are. That's great. So we're going to talk about something that Gordon Neufeld talks about. He describes something called alpha. And often we think of alpha, we think of alpha dog, alpha, alpha wolf, um, alpha male maybe. Um, and, and Neufeld describes alpha as something very different, and specifically in parenting context. But this can be seen in any kind of caring um, context, any kind of context where someone is taking responsibility for someone else. And what he describes as alpha, he describes alpha as the parent providing something for um, the child. Not just something, but something very, very, lots of very significant aspects. Um, so alpha is providing, and, it's, and alpha is caring for, and, and alpha is no way in this context, you know, domineering, um, you know, or autocratic or anything like that. It's, it's very much a pro, uh, providing role. Um, it's a drive to provide. It's a set of instincts, and we're going to talk about what those instincts kind of look like. And you kind of see those instincts kind of, you know, uh, get stirred up in us. Um, I mean, sometimes it's like that for parenting, right? Before, um, I remember this one, one girl that we had in U-turn, and um, she didn't take very good care of herself at all and was very, very risky, lots of risky things, and, um, and she ended up getting pregnant, and she decided to keep the baby, and everyone was kind of wondering, and she had moved out of U-turn, but was very still connected in, in lots of ways and to the, a bunch of the staff, and everyone was really concerned about how the baby was going to do, how she was going to do, and she had the baby, and that just kind of primed the instinctual pump for her, and she became a really great mom. Um, and is still, she has two kids, she, has, she still is a really great mom. And not that everything was fixed or different, right? I don't want to get, paint that picture, but sometimes we see these things, you know, kind of get kicked in. With, um, you know, with, with kids, right? Sometimes you give little kids a doll, boy or girl, doesn't matter, and the way they care for that, that doll, right? You see these instincts kind of come up when they're caring for something. So the alpha, the alpha instincts sit in all of us. They're, they're, they're in, all, in all of us and have the capacity to, to be in all of us. Um, and alpha is the opposite of dependence, right? Alpha is caring for. It's not a domineering place, but it's a caring for place, and it's, a, and it's a creating um, a space for. Um, I think my slides are kind of duplicated there. Let's go one more down. Um, so we talked about Alpha's instincts. Um, I'm going to kind of go through the, f the first four pretty quickly, and then we're going to really sit on... Um, sorry, my slides are different than, than up there. Um, that's okay. So we're going to talk about Alpha as instincts. So there's obviously there's an uh, instinct to take care of. There's an instinct to protect and defend. We, right, we want to be able to shield. And some of that shielding actually really... Um, takes place on an emotional, psychological level, where we shield our, our, our kids from danger by the way that we are able to care for them at home. They are shielded for um, when, they, when they leave our, our presence uh, because the way that we care for them kind of creates this armor in some ways around their hearts. Um, we have an instinct to look out for. We have an instinct to guide and direct. And I want to kind of just talk with this last part a little bit more. <clears throat> and we have an instinct to hide our own needs. And sometimes at when, when, you know, over the years, heard lots of stories from people, unfortunately, in, in the helping role of where they had relationships with, with parents that 
they were the, uh, the, the child was the confidant for the parent, right? And they would often refer to him, you know, my mom always called me, I was her best friend. And the problem with that is, as a kid, we are never meant to take care of our parents. And actually, in some ways, that is a, is a weird and, and, and tricky turnaround as our parents get older and need our care. Right? There's a weird feeling there that happens, and it makes a lot of sense. But, but our children are never meant to take care of us, right? Um, and in some ways, when our kids become our confidants, they take on the alpha role. So part of hiding our own needs is that we don't want our kids to ever take care of us. That's the one piece of it. And by, by making sure that our own needs are hidden, we make sure that we, we create as much room as possible for their needs. So our needs are not getting in the way, if that makes sense. And if you think, again, from a parenting perspective, we, you know, parents do this all the time, all the time, right? Where our preferences kind of often take a back seat, right? Where um, maybe something that our kids are talking about is stirring something up, us and not, stirring something up in us, there we go, and we push that down, we hide that to not interfere, right? So we try to make that invitation as big as we possibly can. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, to be explicit, as we, as we read through all the kind of idea of Alpha, you know, I mean, uh, in lots of ways to, it's a spoiler alert, but I mean, we're looking, we're trying to frame this in the context of God as our ultimate Alpha. That as God is caring for us and offering a place, everything that we talk about when we talk about Alpha and eventually we talk about rest, and, the, and those two are always tied together, um, it is from the perspective of God as our ultimate Alpha. Um, and Alpha is providing. Alpha is always trying to provide safety. And again, there's a physical safety aspect, of course, to that. But there's also an emotional, psychological safety. And what's really important is that the brain registers emotional, psychological uh, threat and danger um, at, on the exact same level. So it really is, yeah, our, our psychological and emotional safety is so incredibly important to us and so incredibly important to our brain. And so often we think of safety, we think of physical safety, but, but emotional safety is just as, at times, more so important. Um, alpha is providing security. Um, you know, from, I, I, I tell a story sometimes, but um, this happened a number of years ago at our Thanksgiving supper, and it was at the Austin Hall, and we're kind of done the meal, and all, you know, all the, the, the tables are all lined up in long rows. And the foyer is where all the kids were, were running around and playing. You know, the foyer, that's where, the, that's where everything happens. And at one point, I was kind of sitting closer to the edge, closest to the foyer, and I see this one little kid um, who's crying and crying and crying. And he's kind of wandering, he's wandering out from the mayhem of the, the foyer, and he's looking for his parent. And he's, I don't know, maybe four, three-ish, four-ish, and he is um, looking, you know, trying to find his parent. And I'm just watching um, because I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to see how this is going to play out. And his parents were sitting, like, right beside us. And so he finally sees mom, and he makes his way behind us. And mom picks him up, put it, puts uh, him on her lap. And, oh, what happened? He got hurt. And yeah, he's just, he, like, he is in full-out ball. And he sits down the lap, and... And within 10 seconds, that, that really quiets down. He's still kind of sniffing, crying. Another 10 seconds, he's just quiet, except for the, you know, those kind of things that always kids, we all, well, we all do, but kids especially. Um, and, and she gives him a kiss on his head because he hit his head. And another, in another 10 seconds, and honestly, it took like 30 seconds. And she said, are you ready to go play now? Yeah. And he gets up and goes away, right? And, and it's like, that's the picture of provision of security. Right? I can go out from my home base, which is mom and dad, ideally, and I can get involved in whatever, I can, and I can get hurt out there. And I know if I can get hurt, if I get hurt, I can come back to my home base, I can sit down, get recharged, and go out again. Right? That's a picture of security. Um, and that's the picture of what, what Alpha provides. Um, and the last part, the last thing we're going to talk about is, um, is Alpha is providing rest. 
And rest is so incredibly important. And I know that the verses in Matthew chapter 11, you know, you could, you could really uh, take a lot of different angles on those, and it means a lot of different things. And so what we're going to talk about is rest in terms of what it means for, for us to be able to rest in the presence of an alpha, someone who is providing something for us. Um, so what does rest exactly provide? Uh, rest is a place where we don't need to strive. That's one thing. And again, if we think of it, about this as parents with their kids, um, it's a place if we, if we provide a, a good enough, and again, can we just, it just has to be good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, there's lots of, you know, they talk a lot about good enough parenting. Um, and, and it sounds like it's a, an attempt at mediocrity, and it's really not. It's that recognition that we don't have to be perfect um, in order to be a, a really great parent. We just have to be good enough. Um, so when our kids are in our, our presence, hopefully they feel like they don't have to work for our attention. Hopefully they don't have to feel like they have to work um, and try to grasp our care. Um, hopefully they feel like they don't have to strive for our love. Hopefully it's just kind of assumed. Uh, rest provides a place where we don't have to take care of our own needs, right? Those two kind of go hand in hand, but that's part of it. It's where when we are in rest, we don't have to take care of our own needs. Somebody else is taking care of our needs for us, right? Um, and if we, th- we think, well, you know, we do this all the time. I, I don't know why I've thought of this right now, but, but even the, the idea of, of how we care for others when, when uh, a family experiences a loss, you know, we provide, we, we do our best to provide for their needs, right? We, we all provide, you know, the amount of food that, that shows up at our doors, right? Um, to try to take care of things like, um, I mean, over the, you know, we, we've, we've suffered our losses, of course, and just like everyone has. Um, I remember when my dad died, then uh, um, uh, Carol, we, you know, just let us know, oh, we, you know, just to let, let you know, we clean the, we're janitors in our church. Um, just let you know we clean the church free this week, right? Those kind of things, right? So there's this, this, this um, taking care of the needs instead of us having to take care of them. Um, and rest provides a place where we can feel what we need to feel. And this is, I think, one of the biggest points to kind of make for you is that Rest is not trying to avoid the hard things. Rest is not the avoidance of the things that are causing the most, the most grief for us, the most heartache, the most frustration, the most, you name the, whatever the, the things are. Rest is actually a place where we can actually feel those things. And that is so important because sometimes I think we, we, th- we picture the, the rest that Jesus provides as a place where we can't bring those things in, where we, need to, where we need to not feel those things, right? Resting is actually not feeling those things. And, and the truth is, resting, if, again, from a developmental perspective, rest allows the brain to process what needs to be processed. And if you think about this, you know, kids come home from school, especially when they're really little, right? Really little, they come home from school, and you ask them how their day was, oh, fine, you know, um, things are good, yep, they're fine. And then you start giving them some food or some water, right, a little bit of nurturing. Um, and what, what starts coming out, right? This kid was mean to me, this kid said this to me, this teacher gave me um, this kind of mark, I didn't like that, the teacher always kind of said something not very nice. Wo- you know, school's a very, very wounding place. And not intentionally, Sometimes intentionally, not typically not intentionally, right? Teachers say things that they don't really, don't really, or, or receive that they're not intended to to um, communicate. Some kids are are either intentionally or unintentionally bad, right? You're not, you're always getting um, measured against something, right? It's a very wounding place, and and ideally the brain shields us from a lot of that while we're at school, while we're at work. Right? Work sometimes can be a very wounding place where we have to kind of keep it together, right? I don't want to feel, and our brain does that for us. Our brain helps us not feel as deeply because it's not safe enough to feel deeply, right? We don't want our kids at school to, every time they get hurt, to start weeping and bawling, right? We don't want that. 
But when they come home, it can all come out. And that's the, that's the whole point. When we've received rest, that's where a brain can do its work. And I see it all the time, right? I mean, I, you know, I, it, when I'm in, in doing sessions, um, almost everybody that I see for the first time will cry in the first five minutes. Partly because there's so, you know, it's a nervous thing, right? To go talk to someone you never met before and, and you bring this hard stuff probably to them. I mean, obviously you're, you're, you're not seeing me because things are, or couldn't be going better in life, right? You're seeing me because there's something you're trying to work through. And there's lots of nerves and lots of um, anxiousness usually, and then they, they settle down and it starts coming out. And people always say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for, for crying. And I always say it's the biggest compliment you can give in part because there's a measure of safety, right? So I hopefully I've set the table enough that people can feel safe. But our rest allows us to feel the things we need to feel. And if we can't feel them, our brain can't work through them. So alpha is our answer. Um, God doesn't have, well, so, Alpha doesn't, I don't have all the answers as a parent. I don't, right? That's, and that's not the important thing as a parent, is not to have all the answers. The important part of being a, a, a good enough parent is being able to be the answer. And I know I have the capacity to be the answer, to provide rest, to provide security, to provide safety. I'm not saying that God doesn't have all the answers, right? And, and there's, you know, Lots of different theologies of that God does have all the answers, and he's not, you know, he's experiencing things as we're experiencing, da 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 And that, that's a rabbit hole that, that's not great to go down. But we know that God doesn't give us all the answers. Right? We know that he doesn't provide all the answers. But he is the answer. Why? Because he is more than just good enough to be able to rest in. And I have to be so careful. I was thinking about this as I was sitting there. It's like, I have to be so careful because this kind of discussion in some ways can turn into a shaming thing, right? Where if you are struggling with something, maybe you're not resting well enough. And it's not that at all. In some ways, that's our, our last you know, slide is, you know, what does this matter, right? And hopefully it's more than just an academic exercise. What I, what I hope for you is, I think what, you know what the biggest thing is, can I start it with, is that God is our answer. And you don't have to figure things out before you're able to rest. And rest is not an avoidance of all your stuff. Rest is actually a place where you can feel your stuff. And if we are able to do that well, and I think at times there, there's a communication um, in our spiritual communities that, you know, when you come to church, let's say on a Sunday morning, you need to push all that stuff out in order to make room for worshiping God. And I get it, I get it, that we, we want to try to be as focused as we can and intentional as we can. But I think there's also a message there that, that the things that we're always going to be struggling with and, and wrestling with, life is hard, right? Life is tough. Life is, life is work. Um, and we're always going to be having something that, is, that we're working through and that is, t is, is touching us. And I really do think that when we rest, we can, I, I know, I don't think, we can bring that stuff in. So, so part of that is, you know, what does this matter? So maybe it offers an invitation to think of God's presence as more invitational. Uh, maybe it helps to consider what constitutes as rest. That is, it's a place to feel our stuff uh, versus feeling a freedom from it. Um, and the last one, I don't think I would even kind of go into. Um, it's going to take too long. But the interesting part is, <laughs> so I say I'm not going to talk about it, then I start talking about it. Um, <laughs> it, it. The interesting part is that, like, we, we know that play is important for kids, right? We know that, right? Um, and in part, what's really interesting for me anyways is that they often call um, play as active rest. 
So just like when we're able to rest, we're able to feel our stuff. So part of play is also be able, being able to let the things that are in our system, right, in our, in our, in our bodies, in our, in our minds, to be able to come up. In part because, I mean, I remember our, our, our kids, our, our girls, when they were little, I remember, the, you know, at different times, um, I was upstairs and then just hearing, like, yelling and screaming at each other. It's like, oh, my goodness, what's happening? So I would, would yell down the stairs, what's, what's happening? What's going on? And Grace and Olivia would say, nothing, we're just playing. And it was the, either the Polly Pockets or the Barbies going at each other like crazy, right? But, but that, was, that was their own frustration and stuff coming out. But it was in a totally safe way, right? Because it didn't count for real. And that's what play is. Play it doesn't count for real. So when I talk about rest, you know, for some of you, you might, you might think, you know what, I'm not like a meditator. I'm not a journaler. You know, I can't sit for more than five minutes without, you know, being totally distracted. Well, so where can you feel the things you need to feel? And maybe that is a jog. Maybe I, you know, for me, I mean, I feel a lot of frustration because I hate jogging. But I jog partly because it's good for me and partly because what I started recognizing is all the stuff that comes up as I move my body. And instead of pushing it away, I let it come up, right? Maybe, it's, you know, for some people, you know, and there's, there's those things that maybe we can't express in our everyday life, right? You know, that, you know sometimes people talk about how, man, you, that, that guy is so mild-mannered and he's so easygoing but you give him a hockey stick, and then things can totally change. He's a totally different person in the ice. And partly that is because maybe he can't be as aggressive or as assertive or as um, expressive in his everyday life. But it doesn't count for real out in the ice. Right? So maybe it's the idea of rest being something that's active and where you can actually feel your stuff. Um, but God's our answer. He doesn't have all the answers. Uh, he doesn't give us all the answers. But he is the answer because we can rest in him. And when we rest, we can, we can feel our things. And he can give us enough space to be able to feel all of it. What I want to do is I want to uh, invite uh, Jeff and Josh. Um, so a bit of an odd ending maybe to, for, uh, for wrapping up my service, but, or the service. <laughs> my service, um, my time with you, is uh, I'm going to sing a song um, that I wrote. I wrote this about, um, I don't know how long ago. My, my brother uh, was diagnosed with cancer, and, um, and I don't know. It was just one of those things that songs are weird. So I mean, I'm not, I, I write very few songs, but songs are weird how they kind of float down, and uh, you kind of you know, just catch them. Um, but it kind of illustrates the whole idea of, uh, of God being our answer. So what, I, what we'll do is I'm going to sing. And uh, big thanks to Jeff and Josh for, for helping me out. Um, get a little more vocal in the mic and the monitor. And, um, and then what I'll do after I'm done singing, I'm just going to read scripture again. Um, and, and I don't know what it's like, I have the NIV here, and one of the headings is, uh, above verse 25, is uh, the, the Father revealed in the Son. And we just know, like, in a, from Anabaptist tradition, the idea that Jesus, if we want to know what, Jesus, what God looks like, we just look to Jesus, right? And, and I think that's such a perfect then picture in terms of, what Jesus is revealing to us in terms of saying you can rest um, is God.
times Blowing in from the east Snapping jars like a bee Hard times Comes on clipboards and on charts In the shadow of hospital art, they play their part. And I'm an answer to all my questions and my whys. All I hear is shuffling feet soft lullabies. If I'm an answer, last please fall. Soft 
At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. And all things have been committed to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen.